If you have a Bible, turn with me uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We want to pick up our study in verses 10 through 17. Now, last week, verses 1 through 9, we spoke about perilous times. We spoke about perilous people that would be in the last days. And when we looked at that word uh, perilous, it is the Greek word kalapos. And it basically means that in the last days, there's going to be hard times, fierce times, dangerous times, wicked, evil, harsh, savage times. The, the translation was wide open. But not only uh, the hard and fierce times, but people of the same nature. And so here's Paul writing to Timothy. He's in a house arrest. He's in prison in Rome. This is his second imprisonment. And he's going through his own hardships, his own pains. And so we're looking at the time of Rome. Uh, Nero was a tyrant. In fact, the early church uh, estimates that six million were killed there in the arenas by the Roman hand. And so they thought, we're in the last days. Nero has to be the Antichrist. And here we are 1950 plus years later, and we're still gleaning from the letter. And we can see now perilous times. We can see hardship upon the Christian church, the hurts and the pains. There's going to be those, as Paul mentions, those that come and undermine the teachings those that come and attack the teachings at the church. And, and so it's nothing new for us. And so now Paul comes in uh, to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and he begins in verse 10 through 17, and he brings in a contrast now. He's not talking about the perilous times or, or the perilous people that would be evident, that are present with us uh, today. But the contrast is, if we're going to go through these things, the encouragement to Timothy Follow sound doctrine, because you're going to have those that are going to come and undermine the teachings. We're going to speak a little bit about the Judaizers that attacked the churches in Galatia. And they came back with, you have to be circumcised. You have to follow the law. You have to get back into Judaism. You have to get back into the dietary laws and the meat laws and, and the feast day laws. And all of a sudden, your freedom in Christ has, has been attacked. And so we need to understand that we must follow sound doctrine. Now, when I speak of sound doctrine, it's healthy doctrine, healthy teaching, healthy instructions by the Word of God. And that's why we go through the scriptures here at Calvary Chapel. And that's why we look at a book study such as 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus, and we won't miss anything. We come on Wednesday nights and we're going through the Old Testament. And the Old Testament pointing to the cross. And so it's important to study the word. Some of you uh, might come from a, a different background at your church. You come in, you have worship and praise and adoration. And then there's this separation. And you have to go to Sunday school. And there in Sunday school, you're able to be taught in certain uh, books. But the problem is there, not everybody goes to Sunday school. So we come here, we have a time of worship and praise, and this is Sunday school. We take about an hour to teach the Word of God, sound doctrine. 
And as I mentioned, because we're coming into the new year, we always make New Year's resolution. And so I thought, what an appropriate message. And I would challenge you that you would make this challenge in your own life. Lord, I want to follow sound doctrine that much more in 2009. Lord, I want to study, not just on Sunday mornings, not just on Wednesdays, but I want to read the scriptures also. You have a good, uh, if you have a good Bible, such as a student Bible, you have a Bible that, you know, gives you a lot of references. A study Bible will give you how to go through the Bible in one year, and you just follow it. You read so many chapters in the morning, you read so many chapters at night. And you can read the scriptures. Now, if you want, you can ask Pastor Jeff, and he'll get you Pastor Chuck's 2000 series on, uh, you know, on CD. And you can listen to the Word of God, and Chuck will take you through it. And you can do it less than a year. And so it's important to study the Word of God. And that's how we're going to follow the sound doctrine. And when the air comes in, when you turn on the television or put on the radio or you get some material in the mail, and people are often saying, listen, we have some new revelation. Unless it has to do with the Word of God, there is no more new revelation. And so we must study the Word of God. And so Paul's encouraging Timothy. Paul's going to die soon. He's not going to come out of the second imprisonment. Nero has him beheaded. We know that historically. And so the Holy Spirit has spoken uh, to Paul's heart. Encourage Timothy and Titus, young pastors. And he encourages them because of the oppression of Rome. And so let's begin here. The importance of the word of God. Follow sound doctrine. In verse 10, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. I like that Paul personalizes it. He says, you have followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my love, my perseverance. It's rhetorical. Then he goes on into verse 11, and he begins to just give testimony. And let's do it rhetorically again. My persecutions, my afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. What persecutions, listen to what he says, I endured. And out of them, all the Lord delivered me. This morning, whatever trial you go through, and we do go through trials, hardships, pains, Paul tells the church at Corinth that God will never give you any more than you can handle. And I know what you're saying because I've been there. I've been there when the trial is just overwhelming, when the trial is just gnawing at me. And I'm convinced inside of me I'm not going to make it this time. In fact, sometimes I'm convinced that, you know, maybe God's taking me out on this one. I'm actually going to die. I'm going to go home and to be with the Lord. But then a year later, you've gone through the trial. God taught you some things. And then you look back and you go, well, it wasn't that bad. You did take me through it, Lord. You, you did give me something that I could handle. Each one of us have that line. I, I get emails and I get literature weekly concerning uh, the churches uh, that are in third world countries. 
And this morning, I can testify, you have, I have, brothers and sisters in third world countries that are dying every day a martyr's death. And so we don't have it that bad in the United States of America. But I want you to think about India. If you're from India, born, raised, and then you come in to Christianity, you're subject to death. In an Arab country, you're a Muslim, and now you come to know Christ. You are subject to death. It is not easy. And so we have the freedoms here. And so Paul now says to Timothy, encouragement. Look at verse 10 again. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. Now, we had already spoken previously in the chapter, perilous times in the last days. Perilous men and women in the last days coming against the church. Then Paul says, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins in verse 10, but. And when you see that small little word, but, it it is a whole new thought, a whole new teaching, a whole new encouragement. Timothy, since you have up to this point in your Christian walk. Now, our Christian walk is basically our manner of life. You have followed my doctrine. I like that Paul does that. He's personalizing it. But Paul's meaning, my doctrine, the teachings of Jesus Christ. Paul just personalized it, saying my doctrine. But he's speaking about Jesus' sound instructions, sound teachings. And so here was Paul, his way of life, his walk in Jesus Christ. And then he says here, my purpose. It is God's will. It is God's desire. In Vine's Dictionary, a Greek word says, it's God's showbread. Now listen to that translation. The showbread was a a 12 loaves of bread placed in the tabernacle. And then as a time pursued, uh, then the priesthood were to eat those 12 loaves and then they would replace it. Now when we speak about the showbread, we speak about that bread. Jesus says that he is the bread of life. Jesus is my sustenance. He was Paul's, here is Paul's testimony. And then he describes that he was a man of faith. The word faith, he is a man of reliance, a man of trust, a man that relies upon Jesus Christ, a man that relied upon God. Then he says a man of long suffering. Listen, the translation there, a man of patience. And Paul had to be a man of patience. But I like this one. Paul says his testimony A man of agape love. You see, back in Acts chapter 8, Paul consented to the death of Stephen. He was a tyrant. Paul was mean. He was vicious. Then we come to Acts chapter 9. On the Damascus Highway, he comes to saving grace. He's no longer Saul of Tarsus. But now he's Paul the apostle. Changed man, even in such a short time. And God gives him such a love and a compassion and a grace. A man of faith, a man of long suffering, but now a man of love, divine love. Divine love that can only come from God. And then he says he's a man of perseverance. And listen to the translations a man of endurance, a man of stamina, a man of strength. But here's the best translation Paul was a man of character, Christian character. No longer a tyrant, but he had this love, this faith. All that was working in and through him. This is the results of the born-again experience. This is the results of a, a saved man. 
This is the results of a, a changed man. Remember when Paul was going to Damascus and he ends up going, he's blinded now for three days and he goes to this man's house, Ananias. Ananias knows Paul. He fears Paul. God tells him, tend to this man. I want to heal him, but for three days he had scales in his eyes. Ananias was concerned. Listen, once Paul sees, he's going to see me. And he's coming here uh, with letters in hand to get Christians. The first one he's going to take is me. Paul had a reputation. But now Paul was a changed man. He was a man of Christian character because of the born-again experience. And then he goes on into verse 11. He speaks about his own trials, persecutions, <laughs> afflictions. Which happened to me, and he describes the various uh, cities that he went to and regions. He was in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra. Now, Lystra was important because this is where Timothy grew up. What persecutions, and listen to this, church, I endured. You can endure them. And then Paul says he endured them, he says, because the Lord delivered him. The Lord delivered him. So Paul's continued testimony now he's a man of persecution. Now, usually Paul's persecutions came personally from his own countrymen. The Jews hated him. You see, Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisee. Paul was part of the Sanhedrin. And so the religious sect wanted nothing to do with Paul. And so, man of persecution. But listen to this now, and this fits all of us. He was a man of afflictions. The word afflictions, he was a man of hardships. Pains, sufferings, trials, tribulations. And so here, all these happened to Paul, and he speaks about it in Antioch, Iconium, and then Lystra. Back in Acts chapter 14, Paul and Silas were there, or Paul and Barnabas at this time, and there was a crippled man that was healed. God used these men. The people of, of this particular town there, they were Greeks. And they took Paul and they took Barnabas and they began to parade them. And they were calling them Jupiter and they were calling them Mercury. And then when Paul found out, that is, that they were worshiping them as Greek gods, he became very frustrated with it. But then in Acts chapter 16, Paul goes there and he meets up with young Timothy at this time. Timothy lived there with his grandmother and his grandma. And Paul had this young man. He comes to saving grace. And he circumcises him. Now, Paul was not one to push circumcision. But because Timothy was half Jew and half Greek and where he was going to take him, there would be those that would ask, is he circumcised? And so Timothy takes on circumcision already as a teen, I believe. Usually it happened on the eighth day. The Jews were very adamant. But remember that Timothy's dad was Greek. Now it's interesting, we're going to uh, study Titus. And Titus was all Greek. Titus chose not uh, to be circumcised. And Paul did not push the issue. But after Acts chapter 16, Timothy went to ministry with Paul. And so he got to see the sufferings, the persecutions, the attacks on Paul. There in Antioch, Iconium, and in Lystra. But then he eventually, 
Paul ends up in Philippi. And now Paul is with Silas. And in Philippi, uh, they were ministering. And there were those that did not like Paul again. And they basically went to the authorities. And Paul and Silas were arrested. Timothy sees this testimony. They were put into uh, basically a dungeon. They were placed into stocks. The Bible says they were beaten. And then you find Paul and Silas singing praises unto the Lord at midnight, the scripture says. It caused the jailer to come to saving grace. And so, church, a lot of times the things you go through, there are others that are watching, family, friends, loved ones, co-workers. How do you act through the trial? How do you perform through the trial, the persecution, the affliction. People are watching you when the doctor diagnoses and says, listen, you have cancer. How's she going to react? How's he going to react? And you show them how to trust God. You show them how to have faith in God. This was the testimony to, to Timothy. He got to see all of these things. And so God said... He would rescue them. Now, I want you to remember that this morning. No matter what we go through, God will not give you any more than you can handle. And with the trial, he makes a way of escape. Now, at the very moment that I'm in the middle of the trial and I can't handle it, I'm convinced God's taking me home now. It's not till a year later I look back and I realize that God sustained me. God took me uh, through the trial. And so Paul's giving a beautiful testimony. He takes it further. Look at verse 12 now. And I want you to mark this because verse 12 affects all of us if we're Christian, if we're born again of the Holy Spirit. Paul says, yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we don't like this portion now, will suffer persecution. Maybe you're one of those Christians that say, well, you know what? I'm not going to read that part. That's for Paul to give to Timothy, but it's not for me. Those that desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And I know most of you. I know the trials you've been through. You know the trials we've been through. And God takes those trials. And he's building character in my life character in your life he's building your faith to trust God you see here in verse 12 all true believers all true followers of Jesus Christ who desire and this is the part that we play we choose to live godly lives nobody can force you you choose to live a pious life in Christ Jesus here's the promise this morning you will suffer persecution. If Jesus Christ suffered, if men like Paul, Timothy, Silas, Barnabas, Peter, James, John, the list goes on of New Testament saints. If they suffered, you're in good company. You're going to suffer also. The promise is you will suffer persecution. Again, we're not exempt as Christians from suffering, hardships, pains, 
trials, listen, sickness, disease, infirmities of different types, even death. Six million Christians had died at the hands of Rome. You see, the Holy Spirit brings a conviction to my life. As I hear the preaching, you hear the preaching. We respond to the Holy Spirit's call and his word. And then you choose to come to saving grace. And then we choose, listen, uh, to pick up our cross and to follow Jesus on a daily basis. Now, in our Christian way of life, some will suffer more than others. Be sure we all have our time of trials, hardships, pain, sickness, Again, disease, infirmities, some even called to uh, the place of death. And be careful with those that say you lack faith. Be careful with those that say God is chastening you. Now, God does chasten. But God also takes us through trials. The Bible says to chip away, listen, the old man, the old woman nature. Now, out of verse 12, again, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I'm reading Chuck's commentary. He says this is one of the least favorite promises in the Bible. He goes on to say, I don't see anyone printing this particular verse 12 here in their promise cards or booklets on the promises of God. Yet, it's a promise in Scripture. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now turn with me to this quick passage, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And look at verses 18 and 19. Again, just reiterating what Paul's teaching here. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Now, Uh, Some are going to suffer persecution greater than others. The early church obviously suffered great persecution. And this is why Paul's encouraging to follow sound doctrine, lest we get caught up uh, in the things of the world. Now, why do we go through persecutions? Watch this. In John chapter 15, verse 18, If the world hates you, Jesus said, you know that it hated me before it hated you. In verse 19, if you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Here's the bottom line, church. If the world hates you, persecution will come. I mean, there's a form of persecution even in the United States of America. But I want you to think of third world countries. And it could come to the place in our own United States of America, that persecution will come because of what is said from the pulpit, because what is said on the radio waves or the television ministries. And then we're going to see basically those that really truly are called to preach and to teach. Honestly, I don't look forward to that, but God will test us. We have such a freedom, and we should take advantage of that freedom even today. And so Paul is encouraging. Now, is it going to get better, or is it going to get worse? Well, let's go on to verse 13. Let's go back uh, to our text now. 
But evil men, Paul said to Timothy, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Why will it intensify? I ask that question. Why will it get worse? In fact, why will it increase the persecutions, the sufferings? Because there's evil men and there's imposters out there. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. The Greek says wicked men, vile men, evil doers. Now listen to the word imposters because it sets up the next few verses. Imposters here in the Greek speaks of wizards. It speaks of enchanters. And here's the key. It speaks of those who call out spells. These would be the false teachers that did not teach God's word, but instead they practice, and here's the key, the magical arts. This will only intensify and growing worse and worse. Not growing good, but growing worse and worse in their sin nature. So Paul warns them. He's warning Timothy. Timothy's already been affected by that. Paul himself was affected by it. Now these men that were imposters, these wizards, they relied upon the magical arts. We spoke last week about Janus and Jambres. It, it was the two magicians in Pharaoh's court that came against Moses and Aaron. When Moses had approached Pharaoh and he said, let my people go. And remember that Moses put the staff down. And the staff became a snake. And the two magicians, Janus and Jambres, historically we know their names. They put down their staffs and they became also serpents. But Moses' staff or Moses' serpent swallowed the other two. You see, the enemy can make miracles. But only God's miracles sustain now, I want you to turn to another passage with me. We're not finished yet here. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Paul had ministered to all the churches in the region of Galatia. Again, you go into your maps in the back, and you see Asia Minor. You see the area of Pergia, and you see Galatia. And so Paul ministered in all these churches. And many had come to saving grace in the various churches in Galatia. But Paul had spent time there. And imagine when Paul heard that many uh, were going back to Judaism. Many were being undermined, listen, by the teachings of the Judaizers. Imagine spending time with a congregation and watching beautiful people come to know Christ and then teaching them the Word of God. But as soon as the enemy Sticks out his ugly head again. Listen, Jesus is okay. This is what the Judaizers were saying. We believe in salvation uh, through Christ. But you also need to be circumcised. You also need to follow the meat laws and the dietary laws and the feast day laws. And before you know it, they're adding and adding. Listen, you need to come to Christ. You need to accept Jesus, period. Be careful with additives. Now, we follow the word of God. But now what man has to say. And so imagine Paul hearing about the Galatians. That they, many of them were going back to Judaism. Notice what he says here. Galatians chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Oh foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? And again the magical arts. Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? 
before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. They heard the gospel. And they accepted the one that died on the cross for them. But I want you to see Paul's heart here. He was frustrated because he taught them. And they came to saving grace. Oh, foolish Galatians. The word foolish in the Greek. Thoughtless Galatians. You senseless Galatians. But here's a proper translation. You empty-headed Galatians. He was mad. Who bewitched you? Now listen to the word bewitched. Who charmed you? Who fascinated you? And here's the magical arts. Who has cast this evil spell on you? It wasn't God. It has to be the devil. The Bible says that Satan and his ministers transformed themselves, listen, into angels of light. And so they come to take away the truth. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so he goes on to verse 2. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law? They were going back to Judaism. Or by the hearing of faith. Faith, your belief, your assurance, your trust. Your trustworthiness in Christ now. So he says here. Those in Galatia. We're being undermined. We know that by the Judaizers. Look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? She goes back to that word again. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect or complete by the flesh? Again, let's use the terminology, the translation. You empty-headed Galatians. You started in the Holy Spirit. And now you're going to end in the flesh? They were going back to circumcision. They were going back to the meat laws. They were going back to the dietary laws. They were going back to the feast day laws. You know what's interesting? When you study Pauline's letters, the Pauline letters, letters of Paul, it always seemed that he would come against those Judaizers because they were pressing circumcision. You see, Paul knew that because he was a Jew. He was a Benjamite. He was considered a Pharisee of Pharisees. Paul, historically, we know that he was part of the Sanhedrin, the 71 elect of Israel. So he knew the law. He studied under Gamaliel. He knew the law inside and out. Circumcision was so important. I want you to do a background study. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 10, Moses is writing. This is way before Paul the Apostle. But he's writing because he knew the Holy Spirit had shared this with uh, Moses, I believe. The time is going to come when they will make circumcision a ritual. It's not even if you're saved. Have you had circumcision? There are churches today, they don't even know if you're saved. You need to be water baptized. I believe in water baptism. And if a man chooses to be circumcised, then let him be circumcised. But they were making it a ritual, a rite, a custom, a tradition. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 10, listen to what Moses says. What needs to be cut is not the uh, foreskin of the man, but what needs to be cut, circumcise the heart. Oh, I love that. You see, that was Old Testament. It's still New Testament. You see, a Jew would have a son, and on the eighth day, not the seventh, 
or not the ninth day, but on the eighth day, that child had to be circumcised. But Moses said, what needs to be circumcised is your heart. You see, our heart is callous. Our heart is cold. Our heart is hard. In Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10, uh, the heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Look at your own hearts. Look at my heart. That's why we need Christ. I can't do it. You can't do it. Circumcision is not going to do it. But if you really want to go with circumcision, cut the heart. Lord, cut my heart. Make me a man after you. Lord, cut uh, my heart, the woman says. Make me a woman after you, Lord. Now, are you so foolish? Again, verse 3. Having begun in the spirit, are you now being made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, in emptiness? If indeed it was empty. Paul was encouraging the churches in Galatia. Listen, you've been set free. Why are you listening uh, to these imposters? And it's interesting when somebody comes in with a new doctrine. You know, when Paul was with the church at Ephesus, he spent three years there. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, Paul gives this farewell message. And he says to them, I gave you the full counsel of God. Oh, that is so important. It's very important to me. That's what I love to do here. We go through the Old Testament. We go through the New Testament. We do not miss anything. Well, I don't want to teach on this because it's kind of radical. No, we teach the Word of God. Now, let's go back to our text. Look at verse 14. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of. He's encouraging Timothy, knowing from whom you have learned them. Paul was a great teacher, and he taught Timothy. And so in verse 14, he says, but you, Timothy, my son, remember, he calls him my son in the spirit, my dear student, because that's what Timothy was. And I like this, my protege, continue, listen to the word continue, uh, stay, remain, or abide in what you have learned. And what did Timothy learn? The gospel truth. Those teachings are your assurance. The word assurance, those teachings are your faith. Those teachings are your belief. Those teachings are your trust in Jesus Christ. Because the one who taught you, you know that they were correct. Listen, Timothy was taught by his mother and by his grandmother. Timothy was taught by Paul, the apostle of the word of God. And Timothy knew it. Don't be swayed, church, by the fake. Listen to sound doctrine. Follow sound doctrine. Healthy teaching. Teaching that is from the Word of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. Again, in Acts chapter 20, Paul says, hey, I gave you the full counsel of God. Calvary Chapel pastors pride themselves in teaching from Genesis to Revelation. I already have people asking me, are we going to teach the book of Revelation? I go, yeah, we're going right through it. But we got to get through Titus, and we got to get through Hebrews, and got to get through James, but we will eventually get there. Old Testament, the same. Imagine the scriptures that uh, Timothy had 
It was from the book of Genesis to the book of Malachi. But we have the 66 books. Sound doctrine. Then he goes on with Timothy's testimony. Look at verse 15. He says, and that from childhood, I like that. You have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And so Paul reminds Timothy, you receive sound doctrine. Remember what the translation is, healthy teaching, healthy instructions since you were a child. You have known the Holy Scriptures. The translation, uh, sacred writing, sacred letters. But I like the Latin. And the Latin tells us, sola scriptura. We need to study God's word. Only the scriptures. Now, I have commentaries. I have books. You know, I have Greek lexicons and Hebrew lexicons. And I have the teaching, you know, tools and such. But man, God's word. There's times when I go through all the commentaries. And I still don't know what that passage means. And man, I'll just sit there at my desk put everything down, and I just say a prayer, Lord, show me. And nine out of ten times, God will show you. And if not, let it go. Maybe he has another time that he's going to show me. Have you ever read the scriptures or heard the scriptures taught? And at that time, you go, I don't know what he's talking about. Two years later, you go, oh, I remember that. I know what he's talking about now. God has a time and a place for you. Timothy, you receive sound doctrine as a young man, as in his childhood. And now he's receiving sound doctrine from Paul and the power of the Holy Spirit that has planted in Timothy's heart scripture that gave you wisdom, listen, to receive salvation, the message of salvation, because of your faith, your belief, your trust, which is now in Jesus Christ. You remember when you first heard the gospel? You claimed to be Christian, but you heard the gospel and you really didn't understand it. What do they mean? What did the preacher say about the rapture of the church? I don't understand the seven years of tribulation. What does the word harpazo mean? How do we get from harpazo snatched away to the word rapture? But the time comes when the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. The Holy Spirit allows us, listen, to hear the word of God and then we discern it. And then we receive it. And then God transforms. I want to read a scripture to you. Turn with me. Go to Ephesians now again. And go to chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. And so the word of God is so rich. How we come to saving grace. But not only do we come to saving grace, we heard the gospel. The Holy Spirit prompted our hearts. The Holy Spirit brought conviction. But then he seals the deal, listen, with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life and in your life. And so Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 13 now. In whom you also trusted. Now he's speaking about your trust in God, your trust in Christ. In whom you also trusted. And this is where the word trusted, where your belief comes in, where your faith comes in. In whom, in him, which is God, you also trusted after you heard the word of God or the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed now, you received Christ into your heart and then he seals you, listen, with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
the Holy Spirit of promise. You see, we come to saving grace and God puts a stamp of approval. He puts his Holy Spirit on you, on me. And we're not the same anymore. Now the term, the seal that was placed upon you is the Holy Spirit. They would know exactly what they're talking about. In the New Testament times, when you would send a letter or a package, you would seal it with hot wax. And then you would take a signet ring that belonged to your family or your business, and then you would seal it. And that seal was not to be broken until it went to its destination. And then the person over there would have the same type of signet ring. And then to prove that it was yours, you would make a mark. You see, God places upon us his seal of approval. And he places the Holy Spirit in my life. He places the Holy Spirit in your life. It is a place of his stamp of approval. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Remember when Jesus was going to ascend into heaven? He told the disciples, wait in 10 days. And that 10 days was Pentecost. And the power of the Holy Spirit came, that dunamis power, and the cloven tongues of fire. The 120 that were in the upper room, they were never the same. The proof. Peter was a simple fisherman. Prior to Jesus' death, Peter denies the Lord three times. He said he wouldn't. The rooster crowed. How did Peter feel? When Jesus died, the men were hiding behind closed doors. It was the women that went to the the grave site. But after Acts chapter 2, they were never the same. That dunamis power. Peter's first preaching assignment. 3,000 souls come to saving grace. In whom you trusted, you heard, you believed. Then you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. (coughs) Excuse me. Look at verse 14 now. Who is the guarantee, this Holy Spirit that is placed upon you. He is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. To the praise of his glory. That seal, that ownership. One day, Jesus is going to come and claim that. Oh, he's already claimed it. But one day he's going to come and claim it for good. He's going to take us home. So that seal, the day of redemption... Until Jesus faithfully returns for his true church. And so Timothy, from childhood, you were taught these scriptures. So when Paul came to preach, Timothy was primed. And he received God. He received Christ as his Lord and Savior. I can just see Paul. He goes to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah shows uh, the birth of the Messiah. Isaiah shows the death of the risen Christ. And so it's cut and dry. Now we go to chapter or verse 16. Go back to our text. Again, he's been encouraging Timothy. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through hardships and through pain. Nobody's exempt. Paul was shackled to, uh, you know, a guard there and and in prison. He was in a house arrest, but he he was still shackled. He couldn't freely leave, leave. But people came to him. And so now Paul encourages them further. And I want you to mark this in your Bible. Verse 16, all Scripture. Church, not some Scripture. All Scripture. I say that because there is a lot of liberal churches today. There are a lot of liberal congregations today. 
They don't believe everything in the Bible. But we have Genesis to Revelation. Now, there are things I don't understand. There are things that you don't understand. The time will come when God will reveal that to you. But all Scripture, listen, again, verse 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable, listen to the profit that we get out of it, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. Now, in verse 16, the Holy Spirit is just preparing Timothy's heart. The Holy Spirit is just preparing even our hearts here this morning. Not some scripture, but all scripture. Again, Genesis to Revelation. For Paul and Timothy and Titus, Barnabas and the other guys, it was from Genesis to Malachi. But for us, it's the 66 books. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now listen to the translation here. The Greek says that all Scripture is God-breathed. God-breathed. Not man. Man copied it. Man has given the instructions to write, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, if you study Scripture, how it all comes together. Especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. How each one has an intricate place in Scripture. One shares one thing, the other one shares another. Think about Matthew. He's writing to the Jewish mind. And so it's just beautiful. But all Scripture is given by inspiration. Now, it's profitable. It's God-breathed. These are God's words speaking to you, speaking to me. It's God-breathed. It's profitable. It's to my advantage. It's to your advantage. For doctrine, the word doctrine, instructions, teachings for our learning. What does sound doctrine do for man? It reproves us. The word conviction is the word reproves us. It convicts us of true evidence of who Jesus is. Jesus is God. Jesus is my salvation. Jesus is the Messiah. In some churches, those are fighting words. Oh, everybody believes in God, but to them, God could be a tree. God could be a mountain. But my Bible says that Jesus is God, the Savior of the world. The Word of God also, listen, corrects man. Listen to the word corrects. It reforms us. But here's the best translation, Bind's Dictionary of Greek words. The Word of God corrects us. The Word of God straightens us up. Basically, I was crooked, you were crooked. And God straightens you up, He straightens me up. And now, we desire to serve the Lord. You see, we have to say praise God, because I knew what I was. You knew what you were before you came to Christ. And so, if we allow, listen... God's word, all scripture, to through the Holy Spirit, working in and through us, he, the Holy Spirit, will change us. And I want you to listen to this. He changes us from the inside to the outside. He first has to change the inside. So many times we're so quick. Okay, the Judaizers, listen, you need to be circumcised. Change the outside. But they never circumcise the heart. Listen, all you need to do is get yourself a three-piece suit, get yourself into a church, make sure that you get into their ledger, 
and then get water baptized. All of that is outside work. Have you taken care of the inside? Does God have your heart? Or do you, is your name just in a ledger? And it's interesting, and I'm not making you know, fun of any of the denominations, but I get them here from time to time. They move from one town to this town, sometimes one state to this state, and then they come, they like Calvary Chapel, they want to be part of it, and so they give me a letter of intent. And the first time I was floored, I said, what's this? Well, it's my pastor's letter of intent showing that I'm a Christian. And I want to join Calvary Chapel. I said, listen, there's only one place that I need to see your name. And I actually won't see it. He says, what do you mean? Is your name written in the book of life? I could care less how many. You imagine people have letters all over the country. Well, was I living here last year? Yeah, I gave you guys a letter. Listen, are you born again of the Holy Spirit? Do you know Jesus have you truly come uh, to saving grace? Instructions now. This is the purpose of God's word. Instructions in righteousness. The word of God working in and through us by the power of the Holy Spirit's leading. He will transform us. Again, in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. After my salvation, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. It's a done deal. Now go back up to verse 16 again. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. So Paul, Timothy, Titus, Timothy's mom, Timothy's grandmother, they worked out of the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi. But all scripture, not some, but all scripture is God-breathed. I like that. I don't know if you've ever studied the book of Leviticus. And I can honestly tell you the first time, I read the book of Leviticus. I go, oh, man, what am I going to do with this? But, man, you get into the book of Leviticus, and the Holy Spirit will show you, uh, you know, nooks and crannies that you've never been to. He will open up doors. It's like the book of Hebrews. A lot of Christians are fearful of the book of Hebrews. But I tell you what, it's a powerful book. And then you have this other group. <laughs> Don't you dare read the book of Revelation. First thing you're going to do, you're going to get a sty. I heard that one. I go, I'm going to get a sty. It's already crunching my eye, you know. And yet, if you read Revelation chapter 1, verse 3, you are going to be blessed if you study this word of God. Now, I don't understand everything about the book of Revelation, but I'm concerned about the things that I do understand. You see, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed, not some. You see, again, I mentioned earlier, liberal churches, liberal pastors. You see, you have people today, they call themselves Christians, but they don't believe in the miracles of God. You have Christians today, but they can't believe, oh, come on, you really want me to believe the story of Jonah and the great fish? Come on, a fish comes and swallows up Jonah and takes him to Joppa. But yet I can believe in a submarine. And the submarine swallows up 100 men. And they can go under the Antarctic. Oh, but that's a submarine. Well, the whale, the big fish, that's God's submarine. It's interesting that Jesus mentions Jonah in the New Testament. You mean to tell me that you believe in the story of Daniel and the lion's den? Yes. 
You mean, you, you tell me you believe the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And then the fourth man is God, is Christ himself, a Christophany. Hey, all scripture is God breathed. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Listen, I just have a problem. Jesus healed 10 lepers. You cannot remove leprosy. It's deadly. It's like cancer. You're dead. Bible says he healed 10. Now, I like this one. You mean Jesus came to Bethany? Lazarus has already been dead four days. In fact, one of the sisters say, Jesus, you're going to call him out of the grave. By now, he stinks. Four days, Middle East? Come on. And Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. I would have loved to have seen Lazarus. And he comes out. The grave cloths are on him. Jesus says, remove the grave cloths. You see, all scripture is inspired by God. It is God-breathed. God-breathed. All scripture, not some. Now, let me leave you with this last one. You all know the story. Moses is sent uh, to Pharaoh. Let my people go. Eventually, after 10 plagues, he does. And there's a great exodus. Two million plus leave Egypt. Now we know they come to the mouth of the Red Sea. And we know that Pharaoh's army now gets heated again, and they're coming. And then God places a pillar of fire and holds back the Egyptian army. Then Moses stretches out his hand. You've all seen the Ten Commandments. And the Red Sea splits. Now I would have loved to have seen the Red Sea split. Now, not only did it split, but 2,000-plus animals, carts, and, 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 and such, they all went through a dry bed, not wet, not muddy. They walked right through it, and they saw the walls. Those of you that are fishermen, oh, man, look at that. Look at that tilapia going back and forth right there. Now, here's the miracle. When they get to the other side, then Moses calls the sea back. These are directions of God. And the Bible says that the Egyptian army drowned in the Red Sea. Now, the critics, well, listen, there's a fact. You see, I, I watch the History Channel, and I watch, you know, all those channels. Don't believe those. Believe the Scriptures. And they say that in a certain time, of the year, the tide goes back in the Red Sea. And it's only about two feet. Well, let me tell you something. If you ever get somebody to tell you that, what a miracle. The Egyptian army, the greatest army on the earth, they drown in two feet of water? Now, that's a miracle. But they don't want to believe. Now, they have done excavations. And they have found the chariot wheels intact the wood's gone but the metal is there and the barnacles have you know i've seen the video and it's it's awesome but see my faith i believe you know it, it opened up now the hardest thing in my faith when i get to heaven i'm looking for charlton heston when i'm looking for moses i know that's what's going to happen to me <laughs> but imagine two feet of water they drown now the conclusion look at verse 17 again he's been instructing you know, follow sound doctrine. All scripture, not some, all scripture. 
Follow healthy teaching that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God desires to bring us to maturity, to completeness. Thoroughly equipped in every good work. Thoroughly accomplished, thoroughly finished, thoroughly furnished in good works. Works that come after salvation. How is this done, church? But by the word of God and the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Now, I want to leave you with this verse. It's powerful. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 13. You see, God left the church gifts. God has given to you gifts. If you study 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, and chapter 14, we see the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Not, that's not all of them. We see other gifts in other places. In Romans chapter 12, you see some more gifts. But here in Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 11 and 12. And he, he's speaking about God, he's speaking about the Holy Spirit, and he himself gave some to be apostles. These are gifts to the church. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastor teachers. Gifted men, gifted women for the edification of the body of Christ. These are gifts to the church. And look at verse 12. Here's the whole purpose of these gifted people. For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Oh, I love that. So the purpose, the purpose is the complete furnishings of the saints, the church, the body of Christ. The purpose is for the work of the ministry, the serving God. The work of the ministry, the word ministry here is diakonos, a servant unto the Lord. The purpose now, and I want you to pick up on this, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, the church. You see, too many times we want to tear down, but we don't take time to rebuild. Now, God tears down through his word. You come, you hear, you respond, the conviction of the Holy Spirit but then God builds you up. I've shared this so many times, and I'll share it again. You give God's word one year, and watch what will happen. Give God's word one year. He'll change your life. He'll transform your life. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it tells us, If any man, if any woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creation. All things are passed away. All things become new. God will change you. You're a drunkard, he'll change you. You're a drug addict, he'll change you. You're a prostitute, he will change you. A lesbian, he will change you. A homosexual, he will change you. You're just a common thief. He'll change you. You have a cursing mouth. You can't get rid of it. He'll change you. You see, if you're honest and sincere with God... He will be honest and sincere with you. When I came to Saving Grace, Lord, take away alcohol. Lord, take away drugs. Oh, and probably the hardest thing that I struggled with. I believe God could take all that away. But then I prayed, Lord, take away cursing. You see, I worked 16 years in the machine shops. And, oh, my gosh, everybody cursed. The women cursed better than the men. And I said, Lord, take away this filthy mouth. Because with this mouth, I want to praise you. With these hands, I want to worship you. 
and God transforms you. The word is metamorphosis. God changes you. And remember what I shared? From the inside to the outside. I've seen gang members change from the inside to the outside. There's a certain dress and God takes that away from you. You can't be headbanging the rest of your life. You're a Christian now. There has to be change. There has to be transformation. There has to be metamorphosis. It only comes uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. God has given us sound doctrine. This Bible will give you the instructions. If you've studied math, you're good at math, you have your math books. You're good at history, you have your history books. Man, let's become good at God's word. He will transform you. He will change you. It's through sound doctrine, healthy teaching. Let's stand. We'll end with a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, your love, and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit that has come to convict us of sin. And yet, once we come to saving grace, then we're sealed by that same Holy Spirit that convict us. And Lord, I thank you for your saving grace, your amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that has still not made a commitment to Jesus, today is the day of your salvation. In fact, I'm just going to give you a quick opportunity. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you still have never received Christ, or you're not sure. Again, today is the day of your salvation. I will say a simple prayer of faith. If that's you this morning, you want to receive Christ, would you please raise your hand, and I'll say a simple prayer with you. Anybody here this morning, if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, you've not come to saving grace, you're not sure, here's your opportunity. If you'd like to receive Christ, right there where you're at, raise your hand, anybody before we end this morning. Then if we're all Christian, if we've all come to saving grace, praise the Lord, then let's pray. Father, I thank you that if everybody is born again to the Holy Spirit this morning, now, Lord, strengthen us. Lord, this New Year's resolution, I want solid doctrine. I want sound doctrine. Lord, I'm going to Make a New Year's resolution. Lord, give me a hunger and a thirst for your word. Father, teach us your holy scriptures, your sacred word that Isaiah says will not come back void. Lord, change me. Lord, I'm still dabbling in certain things. And I admit to you, Lord, change me. If we're honest with God, he will be honest with you. And so, Father, transform me. Personally, Lord, transform me, change me, Lord, that I might be straightened up once and for all. Father, bless your people as they've come this morning. Encourage each and every heart here this morning. Father, bless the offerings as you've given to us, Lord. We're so grateful throughout the year how you have uh, met all of our needs here at Calvary Chapel. But, Lord, we take this offering, the last one uh, of 2008, Lord, bless the offerings. As you've given to us, we give back a portion. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.